0: This is the Tyson Durfee Show. Compete, lead, and become a champion. Hey, I hope you love this speech that I gave to WyoTech. Now, WyoTech is an incredible place full of incredible people giving young people trades and skills in the automotive industry, anything from upholstery to tearing down engines to high-performance engines to diesel engines to auto body. They can do it at WyoTech. This was a speech that I got to give to them lifting, pushing, motivating, inspiring them to get the message to WildTech out to more people. If you wanna know more about WildTech, check out the description below, and I hope you enjoy my talk with them. How we doing, WildTech? We doing awesome. All right, we doing good, that's great. When you are the first person to do something in your family, in your business, it shows the others that they can. So today, I want to share my story with you, and I want to talk a little bit about the struggles and the breakthroughs that I had to make. And I also want to talk to you a little bit about marketing and business. Are we good with that? Yes. All right, so I come from Texas, the land of 110 degrees. (laughs) And pray for rain because we need it really bad. We haven't had any rain all summer. But I wasn't always from Texas, I actually grew up in the Midwest. I grew up in St. Joe, Missouri, was the nearest decent-sized town to where I lived. I'm from Savannah. It's a little small country town about 15 miles away from there. Before I get rolling too hard, everything in my life revolves around my God first, Jesus, and my family. This is why I do everything. We talk a lot about a strong why. Why do we go out and we recruit students? Why do we go put ourselves out there? Why are we waking up every day, putting in the extra effort? For me. It's very simple. I always tie it to something much greater than myself because me, as an individual, left to my own devices, I'm not a very good guy. I'm lazy, I don't wanna work. I would much rather sit on the TV and watch some survival show than I would to go out there and sweat and build fence and build businesses. But when I tie it back to my family, when I tie it back to my God, it forces me out of bed in the morning. It forces me to go do more than what I actually thought I'm capable of. This here is my amazing wife. She's had five number one songs in Australia and two platinum albums. This oldest girl there, that's my daughter Praise. Her name is Praise Royal. My middle daughter, her name is Risen Breeze. And my son is Tyne Cross. And this is why I function and operate at a higher level all the time. I do it for them. Ask yourself, Why are we putting in the hours? Why are we putting in the effort? Why are we putting in the work? Maybe it's for our family. Maybe if you don't have a family yet, maybe it's for your God. And if you were like me, it was simply to get ahead. I wanted to get ahead when I was young because I didn't believe in God. I had no thought of of God or anything like that. I didn't have any thought of family. Matter of fact, I thought I would never get married. I thought I would just go out and I would compete and I wanted to get away from where I was. I wanted to elevate myself. So as I began growing as a human being, my why shifted throughout the years. Linda's why now might be completely different than Ron's why. Why is going to shift near change for a lot of time. I wanted to be the best in the world. I wanted to be the best calf roper on planet Earth. But you know what? It didn't always start out that way for me. This is the highlight reel. This is the Instagram post. This is the social media. But what a lot of people don't see is that I had to come from very, very humble beginnings. See that little kid on the left hand side? That's me. And that time I liked gangster rap music and MC Hammer. That's what I wanted to be. Because my parents got divorced, and there was knockdown dragouts 24 7, and there was fighting, and there was chaos, and there was alcohol. When my family divided, I was living with my mother in the inner city, stealing skipping school, gangster rap music as a little red-headed white kid. That was my life. I can firmly tell you that was the wrong path. I was influenced as a young human being. I was influenced into that because of my life circumstances. Think about all the young men and women that you guys can shift and mold and change and give a skill to by getting them here, a place like this. I didn't even have a thought that I would do anything with my life at that point. All I knew was knockdown, dragouts, fights, and chaos. That's it. Every day, fight or flight. That's how I was raised. Now, I love my parents. They're incredible human beings. And I know they tried the best that they could, but I was in constant fight or flight. A lot of these guys, these girls out here, they don't come from the perfect houses. They need a skill. They need to get their hands dirty doing something. They need a skill to lift them up and get them out. Matter of fact, this is the barn when my mom was pregnant with me. This was the barn right here in this stall that my mom, my dad, and my two brothers lived in. We lived right here in that stall, right there. Horses all around. So when they say, Tyson, were you raised in a barn? you damn right I was raised in a barn. When we finally got a trailer house, a really old rickety trailer house, and moved out of that, I spent 18 hours a day in the barn training horses, roping, riding. Not long after that, I developed my first skill, chewing horses. Now think about it. Coming from a dirt floor, no running water, no heat, wood fire, mattress on the ground, blankets, not the little thermal sleeping bags that we have, the survivalists have, that I like to watch on TV. That's where I came from. I show that to you because I want to show you the context of which the level of individuals that I work with today. The companies that I work with, that I have brand partnerships with, are billion dollar companies, major corporations. If I can come from that to working with these companies to building my own successful businesses on the right, what can you do? More importantly, who can you help by giving a skill? A skill is the thing that elevates people out of the trash. A skill is the thing that allows them to go on and create the life that, thank God, I have now. I don't have to worry about money anymore. I don't have to worry about if I have to go two weeks without food. I don't have to worry about if the lights are going to get turned off. When I lived with my mom in the inner city, we would go sometimes two weeks without electricity. You know what my mom would say? She'd say, honey, this is going to be such an amazing adventure. We're going to pretend that we're camping for the next couple of weeks. She said that because she was trying to project optimism amongst the turmoil and the chaos in her heart of not being able to provide food, not being able to provide electricity. And guess what? My family did not believe in taking a handout. They looked at it as a handout. My mom didn't believe in government assistance, so we just went without. So I had to get very ingenuitive in my brain this time. I had to go and convince the neighbors to give me food because we didn't have any. Hey, you know, mom's out of town. She's working late. You know, it'd be all right if I just eat with you guys today. And guess what? They would say yes. Somebody a little bit more fortunate than us would say yes. They would give me some food. I would play with their kids. We would have fun. Occasionally, the Schwan man would come by, and they would buy me an ice cream. And I just thought, this is incredible. Some of these young men and women that you're helping, that you're urging, that you're pushing to get into this program— are in similar situations that I was. They're in similar situations, and it's up to you to elevate them, to help them, to push them. It's a skill from the start that got me out of that situation. Now, I had amazing family. We didn't have monetary things, but we had camaraderie. My mom and my dad made me feel special through all of this. They made me feel like there was something special inside of me. When I would be going to school, Mom would sit me down. She said, Tyson, you know, it may not look like it right now because you can't read and because other kids make fun of you for being dirty, dirty, because you take one bath a week, but you're special. You're talented. You're going to do something amazing with your life, and those words shaped the man I am today. It shaped the optimistic man that I am right now. You have the opportunity to do that for some of these kids. They may not be at this level. They may not be at what would be considered the poverty level, but that's okay They might come from middle class, hardworking homes, from people who like to do hard things, who like to work on cars, who like to weld, who like digging the dirt. They might come from those type of households. And guess what? That's the group of individuals that we need to empower in America right now. I'm a firm believer that the IT startup was the cool thing of the 90s and the 2000s. But I think there's going to be a big resurgence into the trades coming up because guess what? They've done such a good job of sucking that out of American culture, that American culture needs it again. Ask yourself, what can I do to get more people involved? How can I help them? See, there's cognitive biases in every single human being. People are motivated in in different ways. When you talk to a young man or a young woman at 15 or 16 years old, what are they thinking? I can't wait to drive. If I could just get my license, I can have freedom. They love loud cars. Very simple. They love loud cars. They like speed. And then what's the next thing they want to do? If they come from a small town like mine, they're going to put a four-inch lift on the truck. They're going to get bigger tires. We had CB radios back in the day, so we had the antennas coming off the back. The other kids like the fast cars, the muscle cars. There was always a project. What if you motivated these kids into the program by understanding the cognitive biases that they want? Don't push. You need to get an education. You need to do... Kids don't want to get educated. They want to have fun. But what's even better is if you can educate them while they're having fun, which is what happens right here. When I was over there two weeks ago, we wrapped out a motor at 8,000 RPMs, and every single one of those young men, they got, they got the phone out. They were looking at the engine. They were and my eardrums were about to explode, and I'm like, please turn it off. But I'm going to be 40 this year, and they're 18. They don't care about their eardrums. Motivate these young men like that. Motivate these young women like that. When I was young, my motivation was money. My dad's favorite saying was, Son, do you know how much that cost? So I could begin to think, Okay, all right, I heard that enough. How do I get money? How do I make money? I was introduced to horseshoeing. At nine years old, I started shoeing horses with my brother. We would travel all around the Midwest and we would crawl under, you know, three to five horses a day. My brother give me 10 bucks a horse, big money. I'm nine, 10 years old, big money home 30 bucks, I lived very much the immigrant existence, even though I wasn't, I didn't spend a dime, and I saved everything, not knowing that that habit would serve me for the rest of my life. I learned how to shoe horses. By the time I was 14 years old, eighth grade, going into high school, guess who hired who to drive him to his horseshoeing appointments? I hired the upperclassmen to drive me to my appointments. I'm all of a sudden the cool eighth grader, ninth grader, hanging out with juniors and seniors and they were on my payroll because I had a skill. All the other little ninth graders, it's like, that Tyson Durvy, he's always hanging out with seniors. He's always hanging out with juniors. When the bell was going off, I would go hang out with them and they thought I was just talking about all the cool stuff I was doing. I was recruiting somebody to drive me to my horseshoeing appointment after school. Hey, you wanna make an extra 20 bucks? Hey, you wanna make an extra 10 bucks? I used that tool, cognitive bias, status. Everybody wants status, right? I used that as leverage for me to get to know all this upperclassmen. Going to my junior and senior year of high school, I made 30,000 bucks each year, didn't spend a dime of it, saved it all. By the time I was a senior, I carried around a thousand bucks in cash in my pocket at all times because it made me feel good. And when I graduated high school, I joined the pro rodeo tour. That would have never happened without a skill. That would have never happened without the ability to ride a horse and shoe a horse. Now, At this point in my life, I was all about hustle, grind, work hard, all the stuff that's cool on YouTube and Instagram. And guess what? There is a place for that. If you want to get to the top, these guys, you're going to have to work hard. Does anybody work hard in this room? Give me me hands up. Yes, you work hard. But above and beyond that, what's the next level of working hard? Because you're going to run out of time at some point. What's the next thing? It's here. It's a little thing I call leverage leverage is through cognitive biases and getting people to believe in what you're doing, talking to people, understanding what their needs, their concerns, going out and saying, how can I do it differently than I did it last year so that I can hit better numbers, so I can hit better people, so I can have better relationship next year than I did before. You know, the corporates will say, it's about the numbers, get the numbers, get the numbers, get the numbers. It's about numbers, but it's also about relationships. You got to know the customer. In their soul, you have to know them. When I was shoeing horses, the number one thing that every person that owned a horse hated is that a horseshoer would make an appointment and not show up. Has that ever happened to anybody who had a horseshoer? Yeah, that's the number one thing. So as 13 years old, going out on my own, guess what I did? Hey, Sandy, I don't know your name, apologize. What's your name? Kim. Kim, Kim. can we give Kim a round of applause? Come on, give her a round of applause. Hey Kim, I know you got two horses. I seen him sitting in the pasture. I will be here at 3.15. I will not be a minute late. And guess what? If I'm a minute late, you pay half price. How's that sound? Sounds like a deal. You have to make an offer so compelling they can't say no. Number one, I'm fixing the problem. What is the problem my customer? Horseshoers never show up on time. They never do. And then they don't even freaking call you. Okay, well, if I can fix that and then tell them, hey, if I'm one minute late, if I'm one minute late, it's half price. They're stupid to say no to me. My question to you is, how do you position offer to the family, to the husband, to the wife, to the child, that they feel compelled to say yes? Now, I went on to be a pretty good athlete. My dad taught me everything I know about the mechanics. Truth be told, I almost choked my dad to death. Never said that before to a group of people. And I knew I had to get out of the environment to go and become the type of person that I wanted to become. I love my dad. He's a good man but he was raised by a World War II vet who was on the first wave in Norman Beach D-Day is a rock-hard guy, 90% casualty rate. He was one of the 10% that made it out. His form of motivation was you'll never make it, you're no good, you know, you're dumb as a box of rocks, and that was his form of motivation because that's how the troops were motivated back in the day. It was rock-hard. There's a place for that. I learned how to shoe and ride and rope for my dad. The night that I, thankfully, somebody showed up and pulled me off of him, I'm thankful they did, because I wouldn't be here today. I'd be sitting in some cell somewhere. I said, I got to get out of this environment. I got to go do something else. I got to develop my mind. I got to develop my skills. I moved 17, 1,800 miles away. Started working with a guy named Fred Brown. He's the founder of Artificial Intelligence. He's actually a calf roper. He was doing, in 2005, what Siri on your iPhone does Today. Brilliant man, taught me about everything about my mind, how to capitalize on my mind, how to overcome limiting beliefs, how to get past the things that are holding me back, my past, the things that I hold on to that drag me down like dead weights from behind me. He taught me how to let go of all that stuff. Do you guys really, truly know that you will not ever be remembered by your failures? You will only be remembered by the good things that you did. As an athlete, you know the best rodeo athletes on planet Earth win money about 50% of the time. It's actually a little less than that. 50%. 50%. Now, I go to 100 rodeos a year. A lot of those are two headers, which means you compete twice. So that's 200 times of competition. Some of them are like Cheyenne, where you might compete four or five times. So for many years, I spent 300 days a year plus on the road competing. I failed. I failed. I failed over and over and over and over and over again. But you know what the most important day of your life is? The next day. If you can get to the next day, the next number, the next meeting, the next appointment without internalizing, my dad said this about me, so I'm no good. They said I would never make it. Get that crap out of your head right now. You are created for greatness. You are created to do amazing things. And I don't care what stage of life you're in. If there is air pumping through your lungs and your heart is beating, you still have an opportunity in another day. And it's your opportunity to go out and capitalize on that day. It does not matter what anybody said, what anybody did, the past, the relationships that didn't work. It's called the human experience. We all have trash. My question is, what treasure will you pick out of that trash? I had to go through a whole hell of a lot of it. I lived in the backseat of my truck. I rodeoed on credit cards when I was so upside down. I didn't even have enough money to get to the competition back home. I just thought, well, I'll figure it out. I spent years of my life internalizing on how stupid I am. I was in every learning disability class. I was ADD, the kids made fun of me all the time. I would hang out in the hallways until about three seconds before the bell would ring and then I would jump into my LD class because I'd get past the door before would ring but I didn't want anybody seeing me go in that classroom because I knew that meant more people making fun of me. Do you know the good thing about that is? I had two choices. I could choose to stand up and fight For the life I wanted, I could visualize it in my head, me being smarter, me being a millionaire. So when you're in that conversation, it doesn't work out, don't internalize. Say, hey, what can I learn from this? Nobody said anything about me. I'm not my past, I'm not that relationship. I can do it, I got it. Don't internalize. Come with an act of service, service, service. You can change the outcome by the way you present yourself. I didn't eat a lot as a child, and what I did eat was trash. I had no idea about nutrition, and I wanted to be a professional athlete, like crazy, but we didn't talk about it. After I started working with my mentor and getting a little bit more of an influence from my mother, I learned that I could smile my way to victories. I could smile my way through failures. So I began to start smiling at a lot of the rodeos when I did bad. I would just walk back, I be like, Next time, next time, I'm gonna, you know, and and people would think that Tyson Durfee's crazy. He's a little different. He's not like everybody else. Guess what? I'm not. If you fit in, you're never gonna stand out. You have to be different. People have to notice something different about your heart, your smile, the way you present yourself, the way you carry yourself, the way you look them in the eye. They have to notice something different, whether that's working out, whether that's just simply putting a dadgum smile on your face through adversity. You got to put the smile on your face. The day I married my wife, which she is way over my head. Like I'm talking like son of a gun. Sometimes I look at her and I'm like, <laughs> you dirtball country boy. How'd you pull this off? But I did because I smiled and I was honest and I talked. You know, my wife asked one of her friends one time, she says, what about that Tyson Durfee? You know, he's, he's always in my inbox and he's always smiling and he's always nice, you know, and he's always checking on me and he's always doing this stuff and It's like, I heard that that guy was fake. He's just putting that on, you know, for a show. That's really who he is, right? And her friend told her, no, I've known Tyson for 10 years. He's been that way ever since I met him. When people see your actions over a long period of time, people will gravitate towards you. You want to put a magnifier on that? Post on social media good things. If you don't like putting your face on social media, share the success stories of the kids that come through this program that their lives are turned around. If you don't want to do that, then share motivational reels. I get millions of views on my social media every month. Some of them are mine. Some of them are things that I believe in that I post. If you can magnify that goodness, people will begin to attract to you. I didn't go seek these guys out. They sought me out because I posted on social media. Had I not posted on social media and I was just a roper, I wouldn't be here today. I would be doing something different. Now, social media to me It's hard work. It's a grind. I now have a team. For 10 years, I did it myself. You build a team underneath you, so you're not doing all the busy work. I would say that the majority of our time gets spent up doing things that could be done by somebody else. There is so much that I don't do in my business now. I don't do laundry. Now, I'm not posting to my own social media. I don't go to the bank. I don't clean the house. I used to do all these things. I was Mr. Mom, by the way. Change diapers. I do it all everything but breastfeed, I can't do that. But what I'm saying, guys, if you eliminate the distractions, carry yourself with a smile, use leverage in the form of social media, maybe even it's just one assistant, somebody helping you with the tasks that you don't have to do, the paperwork, whatever. Or if you just take your daily duties and pass them on to somebody else to where you can focus more on recruitment and get an extra hour, extra two hours back in a day to help people's lives by getting them out of a mess that they're in and giving them a skill, everything will change. Everything will change, I promise. 2012, I had $750 to my name. 2013, I married my wife. By 2015, I got this amazing horse. His name was Nico, he passed away in the middle of my prime, actually. I won the world on him and then he died. It was devastating. I found the right trainer, Jay Novacek, three-time Super Bowl champion with the Dallas Cowboys. My best friend is a great man, great ball player, humble. He's a cowboy at heart, not just Dallas Cowboy. I got the right team behind me. Guess what my career did? It took off. Equally yoked with my wife, an amazing horse, an amazing trainer. I will be honest with you guys. I would wake up when I was a young man. I would look at myself in the mirror. I'd say, Tyson, there is more for you than this. There is more for you than this. I am a champion. I would say I am a champion over to myself over and over and over and over. I'm talking 10, 15 minutes standing in front of a mirror saying, I am a champion. I am a winner. I am blessed. I am favored so that I could create the type of outcome that I wanted. Paired the mental work that I did with the great woman there and that trainer, world champion material. World champion material. Get a world championship you don't have to do everything yourself. I know you feel like it's all on your shoulders, like nobody can do it as good as me. I'm gonna tell you that's a trick of the enemy. Whether you're a Christian or not, we all believe in good and bad, right? Come on guys, wake up, good and bad, yes, okay. The bad, I would call it the enemy, is always trying to steal from you. He's gonna plant things in your mind like, I'm the only one that can do this. Nobody can do it as good as I can. If I don't do it, everything's going to fall apart. I'm going to tell you this story of WyoTech that Jim told me coming back from 12 students in 2017. Five freaking years. You think Jim can do everything himself? This guy is a high energy, motivated sucker. But you think he can do it all himself? No. He empowers you guys. He empowers you. And guess what? You can empower everybody that's around you too you can empower your team, your girlfriend, your wife, your kids, your assistant. If you do this, I promise you what has happened for Wildtech can happen in your own life because I've done it. Hey my friend, I just wanted to remind you that if you want to take your mental toughness to the next level, I created this thing called the Cowboy Challenge. It's an 11-day mental toughness challenge. If you are struggling with your mental toughness, maybe you don't have the consistency that you want, maybe that your diet sucks, maybe that you're not getting regular sleep, or you're just, you know, maybe lazy. If you want some help getting to the next level with your mindset, with your attitude, with your mental toughness, go ahead and check out the Cowboy Challenge, and it's in the description below. We'll see you soon.